So my subject today is distractions. Now, when, when we had the altar training, altar training, uh, a seminar before the service yesterday, and, 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 and the gentleman mentioned distractions three or four times, I was thinking, man, you need to hold off a little bit so that, so that I don't look like I'm just copying your notes or something. But in actuality, I, I, I was writing these notes down Saturday morning, uh, so a lot of this I, uh, and all of it I got, didn't get any of it from them. Somebody say amen. A baker was asked, and I love this, a baker was asked to print 1 John 4.18 on a wedding cake, 1 John 4.18, and, and he forgot and instead printed John 4.18. Okay, somehow he was, whatever distracted him, I don't know. But 1 John 4.18 was what it was supposed to be. He left off the first and just did John 4.18. 1 John 4.18 from the SV reads, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear. That's what was supposed to be written on this wedding cake. Instead, he writes John 4 and 18. And on the ESV, it, it reads, For you have had five husbands... And the one you have now is not your husband. So that's quite a, a distraction that, uh, that took place right there. Life, folks, is full of distractions. We say it often, what you see is what you get. What you believe God for you see with the eyes of faith holding on until that actually becomes a reality. The thing is, is we often get distracted and look, view the problem rather than the solution. All we see is the difficulty. All we see is the problem. All we see is the trial. All we see is the heartache instead of the actual solution. Looking unto Jesus, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We're to look to him because he is the answer to all of our needs. Visions are often lost among the many lights on the horizons of life and the many distractions that come. Important things are sacrificed for the urgent things, things that are needed right now, things that are in the forefront, things that we have to do right now. And, and, and important things are often put on the back burner in order to complete the tasks that are at hand. What could be is often lost in the fury of what is. The daily grind is of life is hard on visions because life is now. Situations are now. Trials are now. Bills are now. Crisis is now. Visions later. Vision takes place down the road. And we can categorize distractions two ways this morning, two types today. We're going to talk about external distractions as well as 
internal distractions, external distractions and internal distractions. And they may overlap, but they can both be huge hindrances in our in our life. One can cause the other and the other can cause uh, 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 the first. And I'm going to show you how external distractions can create distance in our life, distance from the Lord, distance from the will of God, distance from the things of God and how internal distractions can create negative emotions inside of us, negative emotions that, that will distract us away from the things of God. Every day that we live, every single day, there are opportunities that come along that distract us from what God has called us to do. There's entertainment opportunities that distract us. There's financial opportunities that distract us. Relational opportunities, investment opportunities, career opportunities, vacation opportunities, and the list is endless of all of these things that can be a distraction in our life. Opportunities tend to be a good thing, and none of those things that I just listed are bad in and of themselves. However, to accomplish the impossible important things, the most important things in our life, we must learn to say no to some good things some of the time. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 38, we're given a, a story here uh, of someone that is uh, doing good things, but maybe is distracted away from that that is the most uh, important thing. Now it came to pass as they went uh, that he, he, there being Jesus, entered into a certain village uh, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Uh, Jesus was accustomed to going to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus's house. Uh, this family, this sister, two sisters, and uh, the brother. 39 says, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word. Turn to your neighbor and say, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. But Martha was cumbered about uh, with much uh, serving. She was working. She was doing the things that, yes, needed to be done. She was doing the things. She was waiting on the people. She was serving the people. Yes, somebody had to do it. Uh, but uh, uh, she came to Jesus. She came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me alone to serve? She's left me to serve alone. Alone. Bid her, therefore, that she helps me. It's kind of like uh, the, uh, the older brother or sister or the younger brother and sister going to mom and dad and saying, don't you care that, that he's sitting in there playing his games while I'm out here uh, picking up trash and doing what you told us all to do, but he's just sitting there or she's just sitting there doing nothing. 
This is what Martha is doing. She's going and she's telling on Mary. and She's doing all the work. And here Mary is just sitting at the feet of the Lord. And Jesus answered and he said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. You're troubled about a lot of things. You've got things that are coming up in your mind. and You're doing a lot of things. And I understand this. And verse 42 says, but one thing is needful and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her you want me to tell Mary to get up uh, from listening to me you want me to tell Mary to go uh, and help you to do all this work Uh, but Mary has chosen the good part Uh, she's chosen the right uh, thing and that shall not be taken away from her there are some things in our life that yes we have to do some things in our life that we choose to do and even though they may not be bad and even though they may not be something that you'd consider a a wrong or biblically wrong somehow there is one most important thing and that's getting into the presence of God that's sitting at the feet of Jesus Uh, that's committing our hearts wholly unto the Lord Jesus Christ somebody give the Lord a hand Another incident in the scripture, Luke chapter 22 and verse 54. I'll read that one lone, lone scripture and, and, and bring some others in from that. But this is an incident cited by all four of the gospel writers. In Luke twenty-two fifty-four. they took him, they took Jesus and they led him and they, they brought him into the high priest's house. And the Bible says that Peter followed from afar. It's when they took Jesus from the garden of Gethsemane. It's when that dreadful night when they took him out and, and, and false accusing, a false trial, a mock trial. They take Jesus uh, from the garden there and all of the disciples fled. But the Bible says that Peter followed him from afar. The New Revised Standard Version reads that Peter was following Jesus at a distance. Uh, he was following Jesus at uh, a distance, immediately following the betrayal of Jesus by Judas uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. An interesting, disturbing incident captures the attention of all four of these gospel writers. Uh, and this is the one of the few incidents in Jesus' life uh, that is cited by all four of the books. This occurrence is one that gives disclosure, an aspect of human nature which every honest soul is familiar, the truth we're told. It deals with having an inflated opinion of oneself and being in denial of one's limitations, exaggeration, and unrealistic expectations coupled there with denial. They seem to go hand in hand. An inflated look of oneself and then denying the actual occurrences before them. Peter was following from a distance. He's following from a distance. Oscar Wilde is credited with citing an ironic insight. He said there's two tragedies in life. He said one is not getting what you want and the other is getting it. 
One is not getting what you want. Uh, that's tragic. But the other tragic thing uh, is actually getting uh, what you want. Uh, be careful what you seek uh, because you may just uh, find it. Uh, be careful what you seek. Uh, then you'll have to decide what to do with it uh, once uh, you found it. Be careful of your associations. Uh, they can get you in the places where you'll be confronted uh, and challenged uh, by your wildest demands imaginations and tested in ways that measure your courage and integrity and loyalty. Even though he, Peter, was following at a distance, he was following nonetheless, some could say. That is more than what the other disciples were doing at that point. For the Bible says that they all forsook him and fled. Maybe something positive can be said for the intentions and the notable motives. Peter was concerned about Jesus. He wanted to know what was happening, what was going to take place with the Lord. Matthew told us, though, that Peter followed because he wanted to know the outcome. He wanted to see what was going to happen. So in retrospect, we know that what Peter did was not commendable, but rather cowardly. Now stay with me here. Cowardly. He was uh, truthfully afraid internal. He was afraid something going on on the inside. He wanted to be close enough to know what was going to happen, but far enough away to be safe from the danger of being associated with Jesus. Could have cost him his life to be closely associated with Jesus. Folks, sometimes we want what we want from our faith without accepting the corresponding reality that our faith requires something of us. We want assurance without accountability. We want comfort without challenge. We want faith without fortitude. We want grace without the acknowledgement of guilt. We want liberty without limits. We want mercy without the admission of mistake. And we want salvation without sacrifice. He had an internal distraction that caused an external distancing from the Lord. Fear is a negative emotion that often causes distraction. The unknown is a fertile ground of fear. What if I fail? What if I can't do it? What if I can't accomplish it? We get so focused on what might be that we lose sight of what could be and what should be. Fear can cause us to begin evaluating our situation based on what bad thing might happen rather than what good thing we want to see happen. They say some 40% of worries never happen. 40% of what individuals worry about never even take place. An additional 30% are things that happened in the past already and you can't change them anyway. 40% of individuals' worries never happen, never will happen. It's just futile to even think and to worry. 30% have already taken place in the past and you can't do anything in your power to change what has already happened. 
happen. Needless concern about your personal health occupies 12% of our worries. And 10% of worries are petty and miscellaneous items. In other words... 92% of worries have no substance at all. 92% of worries have absolutely no substance at all. That leaves 8% of worries as legitimate matters worthy of concern. Incidentally, the word for worry that is used in Matthew chapter Number six literally means uh, to be drawn in different uh, directions, to be drawn away in different uh, directions, distracted. Don't allow fear of the unknown to cause you to miss out uh, on what God wants to do through uh, you in your life. Don't allow what could take place uh, to cause you to back down from pursuing what ought to take place uh, in your life. Could you give the Lord one more? More hand clap. When you follow at a distance, you create a gap between you and the one that you are following. All sorts of intrusions can get in the way when that happens. All kinds of obstructions can obscure one's side and block one's vision. It's not as if Peter had not already experienced what it meant to lose sight of the Lord, particularly in crisis. He was on familiar territory here and traversing terrain that he'd already explored in his life. He had won taken his eyes off of Jesus, lost focus on Jesus, and he started to sink. And Matthew 14, verse 28 through 33, gives the story there how that the disciples are in a storm, and they're fearful, and they're crying out. Jesus wasn't in the boat, but he came to them walking upon the water, and he speaks to them in the storm, and they're fearful, thinking it was a ghost. He speaks them, fear not. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter responds to Jesus, if it be thou, if it's really you, Lord, bid me to come unto you walking upon the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter did just that. He stepped out on the word of God by faith threw his leg over the side of the ship and began to walk uh, upon water to Jesus. Uh, but when he saw the winds and the waves that were boisterous, uh, it says, he began focusing not on Jesus, uh, but began focusing upon the problem, began looking to the problem, began looking at the things that were beyond him, above him, and seemingly stronger than him. The Bible says that he began to sink uh, and cried out, Lord, save me. And the next thing you see is Peter back in the boat, Jesus reaching out and saving him and everything being all right and everything back to calm. So Peter himself had experienced what it was like uh, to get his eyes uh, and get his focus uh, off of uh, Jesus. Uh, so maybe he should have known. Uh, maybe he should have already known. Certainly he knew the importance uh, of keeping his sights upon the Savior. After 40 days and 40 nights of fasting in the wilderness, uh, back at the beginning, right before Jesus uh, enters into uh, ministry, he was sent out uh, to be tempted uh, of the devil. Fasting uh, 40 days and 40 nights, the devil came to tempt Jesus and tried to get him 
distracted, tried to get him away from his true purpose of Calvary and giving his life a ransom for many. The devil approached Jesus, tried to distract him when he was at his weakest moment, when he was hungry, when he was tired, when he was weak. He was tired from the effort of being faithful. He'd been fasting. And when he was pushing for spiritual growth, so to speak, and the perfect will of God in his life, maybe you today, you've been sacrificing and trying your best to do what God wants you to do, to see the will of God fulfilled in your life, to see God blessing your family and your home. And maybe you feel tired and a little exhausted from your efforts. If so, you must be on guard. Be on guard. This Bible says in James, be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, who as a roaring lion wants to devour you. He seeks and he's trying. He's looking. He wants to devour you. The difference between those who make it from this point and those who don't will be those who will not allow themselves to get distracted from the true purpose of God's calling in the word in their life. You can't give in to the distractions. You cannot get sidetracked. You cannot fall away. Nothing is more important than your faithfulness to God. Nothing is more important than serving him and giving him your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, and all of your strength. Judas Iscariot got distracted by the allure of money and forgot that the most important commandment in his life should have been those two words that he heard very first on when walking with Jesus. Follow me. Follow me. Judas lost out with God because he got distracted. Samson, the mighty warrior of God, who should have been the most celebrated and beloved Bible character, never fulfilled the perfect plan of God and lost his life because he got sidetracked by a Philistine girl, an unbeliever, and the allure of sin. Despite his vow, despite his might, Samson lost out. He lost his eyes. He was imprisoned for the rest of his life because he got God distracted. King Saul, who stood head and shoulders above the rest of Israel, both in stature and in God's eyes, died a God reject and a bitter old man because he turned his attention and priority on doing things his way rather than the obedience to God and to the man of God. God. Saul lost out with God and we find him the night before his death uh, seeking spiritual advice uh, from a witch. All because Saul got distracted. Even in the New Testament times, we find the young preacher Demas, uh, who was a companion of the Apostle Paul, and no doubt whose name would be familiar to us or as familiar to us as Timothy and Mark and Titus and Silas, uh, if he would have stayed faithful 
And yet we have uh, all we have to his uh, writing and to his knowledge in the word is three vague scripture references. uh, And the last is very sobering. Second Timothy four and the first part of verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas could have, Demas should have been great in the kingdom of God, but he got distracted. He got distracted. Other things became more important to him than what God said. Distraction can, distraction can come as well when you let too much distance come in between you and Jesus. When you follow at a distance, you don't live up to the best that is in you. When you follow at a distance, you cannot live up to your best. Jesus had already informed Peter that he would deny him. Luke 22 and 34 says, before the rooster crows this day, you'll deny me three times. However, Peter refused to acknowledge what the Lord already knew and had already foretold. When the girl said, are you one of his disciples, Peter said, said no the first time then the cold that filled the air pushed Peter nudged him to the fire in the courtyard where he begins warming his hands at the fire with the unbelievers there and over the fire someone else said to Peter aren't you one of them and he says second time no not me I'm I'm not one I I don't know him and finally one of the servants the high priest looks at him and said you were with him and Peter for a third time said no no Matthew and Mark adds and tells us that he's cursing and swearing with an oath denying that he knew the Lord There was a book that came out several years ago entitled Living Up to Your Potential. And the author suggests there that only 10% of people, listen, only 10% of people live up to 90% of their potential. Only 10% of people live up to 90% of their potential. While 90% of people live up to 10% of their potential. 90% of people only live up to 10% of their potential. Listen, whatsoever your hand finds to do, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Do your best in everything you do. Be the best that you can possibly be. Lift your hands up right now and ask the Lord to help you to do that. Lord, help us to be our best, to do our best. Lord, to be more like you. Let it be so, God. Let it be so, Lord. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your mind. Peter lied and denied. He had not done his best. And when you follow at a distance, you do not live up to the best. That is because distance, distance precludes, distance prevents, distance prohibits full development. Luke alone shares the distressing detail. While Peter was yet denying the Lord with uncomely language, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. It was then that Peter 
remembered. Peter remembered the words of the Lord. Imagine all this happening simultaneously. Peter dogmatically denying and the rooster instinctively crowing and Jesus rejected lovingly looking into the eyes of Peter. What a scene this must have been. The Lord turned and looked right into Peter's eyes. Peter had boldly asserted I'm ready to go with you to prison. I'll go with you to death. But that fear, that internal internal distraction, that fear caused that distraction inside that ultimately distanced him from the Lord. Folks, we've got to stay close. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is a refuge. The Lord is a shelter. In the Lord's presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. The account is told in Genesis. Cain was his name. He became distracted internally by what he had saw externally and took as an unfair happening. It wasn't going on the way he thought that it should and it caused these internal emotions, or should I say he let it cause eternal, internal, internal emotions. Mad at his brother Mad that others, uh, others seem to be accepted and, and he seems to be rejected. Mad because he's not, uh, he's not in the forefront. Mad because uh, his, whatever he brought to the Lord is, is still sitting there upon the altar. And God says to him, while well, he's got these uh, distractions inside that are ultimately going to cause some bad things to take place on the outside. Genesis 4, 6, and 7, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you angry? Why are you angry and why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, this is what it all comes down to. If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. There's going to be distractions that show up in our life. There's going to be things that come that try to get in the way of the main thing. Martha comes to Jesus. Don't you care that, that I'm out there working and she's sitting here at your feet? And Jesus says, she hath chosen the better part. And from that, it shall not be taken away from her ultimately if he does right ultimately if Cain does right ultimately if we do right everything is going to be okay will there be hiccups will there be bumps in the road will there be opportunity for distraction and opportunity for opposition absolutely but if you do right if you do right Cain you're accepted you're blessed if you focus on the right things and do them right but these other emotions distracted from the main thing. And he lets these negative internal distractions cause him to crumble. His life crumbled. Now these things are, are kind of negative angles that we've taken. But there are some names I could call out today who refused 
to be distracted. They pressed past every obstacle and overcame every difficulty. People like Abraham and Moses and Joshua and Caleb and Shamgar and Jephthah and David and Josiah and Elijah and Elisha and Peter and John and Paul and Silas. They faced opposition, potential distractions. They had bad days, sure. Yes, they were mistreated. Yes, things didn't go the way they had planned or the way they had wanted to. Yes, they were wounded both physically and emotionally, both internally and externally. Yes, they felt like quitting. Yes, the devil did everything in his power to distract them, but they refused to be distracted. They resisted the devil. They had a made-up mind. They pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. They kept their eyes upon Jesus. They overcame. They refused to give up. They refused to let go. They refused to give in. They made What made others quit made them pray. What made others fall made them stand. What made others give in made these dig in. What others would retreat from, they raced forward towards. And when others were hindered, they refused to turn to the right or to the left. They endured to the end they finished their course let no one say of you at the end he did run well but something someone or some hurt some emotion did hinder them cause them to be distracted I don't want them to say he had a beautiful family what happened to his marriage I don't want them to say, what potential? But they allowed something to get them off course, uh, to distract them. I ask you this morning to examine your life. Are you distracted? Has someone or something got you off course today? Today would be a great time. And this would be a great place to start your journey back, to commit all over again to refocus, to realign, to get things right. For if you do well, you shall be accepted. Come on, Cain, if you do it right, you'll be accepted. If you do it right, it's going to work out. But if you don't, like a crouching tiger getting ready to pounce, it's there, it's looking for you, seeking who he may devour. But if you do it right, if you do it right, Cain, you'll be accepted. Make your journey back. Start your journey all over again. Refocus, realign today. Run like you used to run. Pray like you used to pray. Cry like you used to cry. Commit like you used to commit. Worship like you used to worship. Follow Jesus with everything inside of you. Stand to your feet right now all across this house. Is Jesus your one and only? Or is Jesus your one of many? Where is he today on your scale of priority? Is he your one and only? Or is he your one of many? Come on, somebody realign your heart this morning and make Jesus first in your 
life. Submit yourself to him. Surrender your life to him. Surrender everything you have to him. Say, Jesus, I can't do it by myself. I need you. I don't want to be distanced from you. I don't want internal emotions, negative emotions to distance me and distract me from living for you and being right with you and being closer to you. Could we lift our hands all across this house? Bow your heads if you want to bow your heads and let's begin to pray. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus together. Let's begin to commit our lives and commit our hearts fully and completely to him.